stories of mountains made of glass. Petrified forest filled with petrified birds that sing ancient songs. Hot water springs that cooked fish as you reeled them in. And a cursed place at the head of the river that made noises like thunder. Made the earth tremble and kept the early tribes from going near it for fear of death. The place I speak of in all of her wonders is Yellowstone National Park. Howdy, campers, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons, pre-internet mysteries, and trying to raise our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your camp counselors, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. What's up, bro? Hey, man. Well, welcome back to, uh, yeah, welcome back to Georgia, man. I feel like I mean, we've we've kind of just both of us, we've just kind of been across the states this summer, man. Yeah, we really have. We we put some miles between mm-hmm. us, many many miles. Yeah, man. I gotta say, well, let me start off by saying, so my wife has been obsessed with these national parks. She got really really big into national parks after dark. The podcast. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, she's got to have something to listen to because she has just never refused. Listened to, just refused. never listened to our show. Yeah, yeah. You say she says that, and she likes to wear that as a badge of honor. And then she's blowing up <laughs> yeah. our group ch- uh, text message mm-hmm. with, um, boy, I sound like a ninety-year-old when I say that. Our group text <laughs> with, uh, with like, oh, it didn't happen that way. Oh, I was yeah, the one exactly. that saw this that time. You so know, stupid. So, yeah. And I just what she's just trying to brag. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna, I'm only gonna listen if it's an episode that I think could pertain to me. Mm-hmm. Real selfish, but no. So you know, we're big fans of the show Yellowstone, which technically doesn't really have anything to do with with the park, mm-hmm. but we have been talking about it for several years, and we finally made the big trip up to Yellowstone. Well, first, first, let me break it down. First, we <clears throat> we flew out of Atlanta. Uh, holy, maybe, holy cow, dude! What? First, I was um, born in Cleveland, Georgia. <laughs> well, and, no. And, uh, well, my mom, well, see, my dad, well, then, and then. <laughs> Didn't really have a dad. Um, like, no, so. That's how we're starting the episode. First, we flew out of Atlanta. <laughs> no, I'm go saying ahead, that man. because Atlanta mm-hmm. is my least favorite airport. Just go ahead, man. In I have interrupted, world. and that's my bad. Go yeah, ahead. You did interrupt me. No, so we flew into Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming. And if you've ever flown into Jackson Hole, it's you. You immediately kind of you pull into this airport, and it's wild. It's like, um, I mean, the only thing I can think of that would be similar is like landing. You know, if you're flying into like the Amazon or something like that, because it's like, mm. you know, for us, especially with Atlanta being our airport that's the closest. You know, it's all city. And, you know, any airport mm-hmm. that I can think of really is like surrounded by city. You know, maybe the not especially as much on so, this side, especially on this side. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah, like on the east. Yeah, but but this is like this just was amazing because you're literally flying over this these huge, you know, beautiful plains, 
you know, super flat. And then on each side, you're just surrounded by just the most massive mountain ranges. And it was amazing. It blew my mind just landing into the airport. And then you drive out. And as we were on our way back into Jackson Hole, where we, we stayed for the night or the next couple of days, you see the Grand Tetons. And I want to be buried somewhere around there because it is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. Can we go ahead and just make it official that like we're not going to take up beautiful real estate with your body being inside of it and just like <laughs> sprinkle the ashes there? Because that's, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Sprink, sprinkle my ashes. Oh, I mean, or you just throw it out. I mean, I'm sure like coyotes, <laughs> dude, wolves, dude, please, they'll take care of it. Please tell me you remember the scene in The Big Lebowski when they, mm-hmm. they get up on like that cliff and he's got the coffee can with the remains in there. Donnie was a good bowler and a good man. He was, he was one of us. He was a man who loved the outdoors and bowling. He died as so many young men of his generation before his time. In your wisdom, Lord, you took him. As you took so many bright, flowering young men at Kaysan, at Londoc, at Hill 364. These young men gave their lives. So did Donnie. The wind blows and they just go right behind them. They don't even like go off the <laughs> cliff, dude. Yeah. I, that's yeah. how I just imagine. Like, I'm like, Tyler was a good guy, man. It's kind of like, uh, he was like a true dude. believer. <laughs> Ashes are just like in my beard. Gross. Anyway, so the Grand Tetons, absolutely stunning for all of our listeners in Wyoming and Montana and that area. God, you just, you don't know how good you got it because, mm. I mean, we live in like a stunning place in Georgia. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of places that I would rather be, but like, oh man, it's just, it's so pretty out there. Dude, fun fact for all you geology nerds out there. Mm-hmm. Do you know why, I'm asking you, Tyler, do you know why the Georgia mountains are smaller than the Grand Tetons? I know our mountains are the oldest. Yeah, mountain and, that, and that is the, uh, and that's the answer. So you got it right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Why did you get it uh, wrong so bad? But Because <laughs> mainly, I didn't really ever think about that. Yeah. And Anne, uh, one time, I think she was saying something and she was just like, yeah, I mean, it's because it's the oldest. And I was like, made it up. <laughs> Change it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Pretty cool uh, fact. No, no, no. Another cool fact, and this is, this is. I mean, I know we're, listen, this, this episode is going to be all over the place because a lot of it is going to be me recounting my events. And as you know, as our, as our loyal listeners know, I go off on so many tangents. They don't really, me. but here's the thing. They don't really know because <laughs> I edit it to where your stories aren't all over the place. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, no, I was going to say one of the things that I think is is really interesting that I've heard before. I can't remember where I heard this, but something along the lines of basically the like the Appalachia, like like, you know, those mountains basically are the same. If you look at it like, you know, the carryover, it's like a it, it just continues on to across like Ireland and like Scotland and I've heard that said before. So, so there's like this idea that like, like fairies and like the fae, like they they feel at home when they like maybe some of that stuff came mm-hmm. over with mm-hmm. 
with the early settlers. I, I think that's really dude, cool. The synchronicity of what you just said and what? an episode that we're going to be doing either next week or the week after. I'm not sure when it's going to be released mm. about like Scottish settlers here in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Boy, howdy. Just, you'll just have to wait. And so Man, are our listeners. That's exciting. So flew into Jackson Hole, stayed a couple nights at, I can't remember this place, but it's like a little, it's like these like little boxes. Basically they have like a living room, a bathroom and a bedroom it's kind of like camping, sort of, but you're inside these tiny little like box cabins, mm, like mm-hmm. sort of modular, modern kind of thing, but like you're still kind of camping. That was really cool. We hiked all around like the, the Tetons, like Grand Teton National Park and like the lake. I got you some some magical stones from mm-hmm. a glacial lake. Yeah. I will say this. I ran into several, you know, park rangers and like, you know, people that worked at like the some of the shops and stuff in the parks. And there wasn't a ton of, I mean, at least from what I've gathered, there there wasn't a lot of people that knew anything about Bigfoot or sightings yeah. in the area. Kind of seems like the old men in black came in there with their little memory you know? sticks and just... So we're, we're going to kind of get into it here in a little bit, but I have a theory. Anyway, did that. Then we stayed at... Uh, so there's this like these... I don't want to say campgrounds because they're way cooler. But after we moved out of uh, Jackson Hole, we drove up to Yellowstone, not the park, but like Yellowstone in Montana. And we stayed at this place called Under Canvas. And if you guys are campers or like hikers or, or into Fancy all that, campers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is kind of fancy a little bit. But, you know, they have one at like the Grand Canyon. They have one at like Glacier National Park, like all these huge national parks, they have like a setup. And it's, I mean, it really is incredible. It's like, you're still camping, but it's like, it has like a, like a raised wooden floor and like inside your, you know, huge sort of tent is um, pull down shower. You have like a toilet. And it's fully electric in there and stuff too, right? No, 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 no electricity. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, the only electricity is like they have like the, your little like charger packs to like plug your phone in, and mm. but that's about it. No, no power. I mean, other than like lanterns and stuff. Uh, one thing that I will say, and probably my least favorite part about the entire trip. So we stayed there for three days in a row. We kind of like worked our way north. And I, you know, being the man of the house, had to keep the fire brewing at night. We got there, you know, the guy came in whenever he, he we kind of got there late. So we came in and I mean, I know how to start a fire. I'm, I'm well versed in you create a little tunnel on the inside. So you get airflow and blah, blah, blah. It's all great. So they had like one of those little, you know, it's kind of like the, the like belly stove, like fire mm-hmm. Like you know, it's like a canister still, turned on its side. Mm-hmm. Super cool. But the guy told me, yeah, you know, you do <laughs> two pieces of wood on the on each side, you know, one sort of diagonal across the middle. So you have airflow in the middle, you know, light it up and then close the front and then keep the vent like barely open. So I did that within about, I don't know, 15 minutes. I had, I had a beautiful fire. It was just blazing, just awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to close it up, like he says, do the thing. And within 10 minutes, fire was completely out. <laughs> Needless to say, mm-hmm. I did this for the entire night. Man. I literally had zero sleep because I'm 
and that's the thing. It's like you don't have any heat in these tents. And uh, I sure didn't realize how cold it gets. But uh, mm -hmm. in July, it gets down to the 30s at night. Yeah. And, I mean, we had like a ton of big blankets and stuff. But, like, it was absolutely miserable. I literally didn't sleep at all. Like, the sun was coming up. And here's me still, like, f***ing with the fire, you know, over in the corner. This would go on to happen the next night as well. And then on the last night, which sucks because it was the last night, and here I am going on like maybe two hours of sleep in two days and like hiking all day long, you know. Mm -hmm. I talked to the girl. So they're like, they would, you know, and this sounds kind of bougie, but the, the, like the people that work there, they would, if they saw you like walking to your tent, they would pull up on their golf carts and be like, hop in. And, you know, then they would take you to their tent. And I got to say, the every single person that we talked to at Under Canvas uh, Yellowstone was like a collection of the most kind, helpful, like sweet people. I mean, maybe ever. Like it, it made uh, my wife Courtney and I, it made us want to reach out and go to like every single Under Canvas yeah, location you know, camp. Because they're just, they're amazing. But anyway, I was talking to the girl and I was like, man, I'm just like... I'm having a real hard time. And it, it takes a lot as a man to admit when you're just not like getting it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm fine. Because the problem was, is like. You're snuffing out the fire, man. I was exactly snuffing out the fire, but I was doing what the dude told me to do. And I'm like, you know, it's one thing that if this I. This guy's listening to the podcast and he's <laughs> laughing his butt off. He's laughing. Him. Yeah. Well, I talked to the girl in the golf cart and she was like. She was like, this is sort of an insider secret, but I think they have to tell people that to avoid anything bad happening, like burning down your tent and stuff. But she mm -hmm. was like, screw that. She was like, I get my fire. She's like, if you can start the fire, then you're good. That's all you need to do. She was like, but I just leave it, leave it open about an inch the mm -hmm. whole night. Yeah, and I was like, God, this is what I've literally been doing. <laughs> the whole time. And then I'm like, well, I got to close it because the guy, that's how he said to do it. I did it the, the third night, slept almost the entire night. But yeah, if you stay at under canvas, leave the leave the little door open on your fireplace because it's no matter what they say. Yeah. Wouldn't have happened if I was there. <laughs> well, it, it was like, it was so counterintuitive because like I would have this thing just blazing. It would just be perfect. And then that was what was funny, too, is the guy was coming out and telling me, oh, yeah, here's these, like, little fire starters. And usually I start with, like, three. And I'm like, why do you need three? Just use one little fire starter ball. Anyway, I do got to add this. This is one little thing before I continue on to the Yellowstone Park. So this happened two nights. Like I said, I was up all night. So it's sort of relevant to what I was just talking about. I think it was the first night. It was extremely cold. It was, like, down to, like, 31 degrees. I'm still up, you know, trying to figure out. For our international program. listeners, he means 31 degrees Fahrenheit, which is Fahrenheit below freezing. Go yeah. ahead. I'm laying there. And like I said, we, we have these like, you know, it is like a big tent, even though there's, you don't have all the, the amenities. And so you can see light through it. You know, it's sort of a, like a thin kind of canvas, I guess like military style tent, really. And I noticed that, that every, like, I don't know, it, like, every few, like, maybe every 30 seconds, a minute would go by. I was seeing these, like, flashes. Uh, it would be, like, 
and, I, and there were no noise, you know, even though I'm just made like a noise, but it would just like, it would like, there would be this like flash on the right side of the tent. And, you know, then like maybe a minute or so later, there'd be a flash on the left side. And then there what? would be a Are flash. Are you telling me that you saw or the, like the same kind of? No, thing? just wait. Okay. So it, this is really odd because we had recorded our Foxfire ball lightning that episode. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, this isn't really like, like, what is this? And for the longest time, I'm just laying there. I mean, I'm miserable because I'm so tired, but I'm like laying there. Cold, doesn't know how to do a fire. We got it. Yeah. And I just don't understand like what's going on. I'm like, is this like, are, are there other people like, you know, because you are kind of surrounded with other little tents sort of, I mean, you're kind yeah, of it's like a little away. like uh pioneer camp almost where like all these yes. tents kind of make their own sort of like self and well sort of yeah yeah but it's weird and the reason i'm bringing this up is that i'm i am so curious to our montana listeners if you know what this is please chime in because i still could not figure this out i literally spent the rest of the night looking so i got up i went to where like the bathroom area i unzipped the little window and looked out on this side, and it's weird. I could see, like, flashes flashes from, like, the other side, and then it would flash, like, on this side. And they were in the sky, um, what we would consider, like, heat lightning uh, mm-hmm. here in the south, whenever it's, like, you know, it's silent lightning. I guess it's, I guess it technically never hits, it never, like, strikes the ground. It kind of stays within the clouds. But I, I don't know, because it's, you know, it's 31 degrees, uh, there's no sound, and it was just like sort of like moving around the tent, and it looked super weird too. It didn't really look like regular lightning. It just looked, I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it. So, all that being said, I'm really hoping that any of our listeners out there could please tell me because I looked it up, and every, wouldn't you know it? You know, after we had recorded the ball lightning episode, every single thing I looked at online was like ball lightning and it's like it's not ball lightning it's like it's like sort of shooting around like the sky sort of from different angles it was really Mm -hmm. bizarre really really bizarre just saying this I even downloaded the lightning lightning tracker app just to see if like okay well maybe maybe it's lightning like really far off or something because that was one of the explanations kind of yeah no nothing not even Hmm. not within like a hundred miles or something so and, you know, and we're surrounded by, like, mountains and stuff. So, really bizarre. I, I do not know what that is, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, this, the last night, I saw the same thing. I tried to take a video. I showed my wife. She saw it. Of course, she shot it down by saying it's something natural, even though she had no explanation. Now, did the – and so the video didn't come out? No, I, it, was, it was so dark. Like, you just – it just wouldn't pick it up, which sucks. But, but I tried. We did, however, hear wolves howling, which mm. is really cool. Nice. So then we went on to Yellowstone, the park. It's so magnificent and such a work of art as far as, like, conservation, as far as, like, the way they have everything set up and the wildlife, like, is protected and, and all that stuff. But what was amazing, and I didn't, we didn't realize how rare this was. You know, they say that, like, some people spend their entire lives just – you know, saving money and getting these trips to come out to Yellowstone so that they can see wolves within our first hour of being there. So it's cool. So you're just you're just kind of like driving down these roads. 
And then you'll see these like little, it's like a little turnaround thing. And you'll see like a pileup of cars and you're like, oh man, there's something going on. And that's how you know, like, oh, well, there's some kind of wildlife or something. Yeah. Sightings of, of wildlife and stuff. And we pull in and, and when, you know, literally first thing we see is like two gray wolves just kind of hanging out in a field. There was one moment where I just happened to like glance to my right. My wife was driving and we see, for all you Miyazaki fans, there's a movie called Princess Mononoke. And there's a moment where it shows sort of like the ancient sort of spirit of the forest. And it's this like elk or deer and it has these antlers that are, you know, as big as, you know, they're like 10 feet tall. And like, it's just this really sort of magical moment. And like, it felt like that. I look over and I see in this like little pond, just this elk with this massive, you know, rack of antlers. that's just kind of minding his own business. And it was amazing. We saw a ton of bison. We kind of saw a bear, but it was so far away. And I was driving that I wasn't able to see that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was so cool. We saw like the Grand Prismatic like the geyser, we saw Old Faithful. And I'm telling you, if if you have ever like thought like, oh man, I'd kind of like to see it. I urge all of you guys to get out there and uh, and go check it out because it is so amazing. It's definitely a place, I mean, we, we talk about on this show all the time about our fascination and our almost like magnetic draw toward these areas of the world that are still like untouched in a way, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this may or may not be kind of like based on your description of where you were staying or whatever, like they might think, well, I mean, that sounds kind of acidified. No, Yellowstone no. is so huge, especially, I don't think it's funny, man. Like just like we as like Americans or whatever might not be able to appreciate like when somebody overseas, you know, our Australian listeners or mm-hmm. New Zealand listeners, when they're describing their mountain ranges and stuff like that, we might not be mm-hmm. able to like comprehend the vastness because we've, well, I mean, I've been there. So, <laughs> but anyway, for folks that don't know much about Yellowstone, it's like, I mean, this is a national park. Not only is it the oldest national park in the United mm-hmm. States, it's one of the oldest in the world. It was Very established in like 1872. Mm-hmm. And it covers like almost 3,500 square miles. Yeah, right. That's close to like 9,000 square kilometers uh, mm-hmm. for, for our international friends. It's huge, man. And what is that, like three states? Yeah. It's right? Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. Wyoming, Montana, yeah. I mean, it's well, just well, humongous. And one thing that I think is is so cool, and you, I'm sure you're going to go into this, but, you know, for us, we spent several days like – going back, you know, we were staying outside of the actual park, but then, you know, we kept going back and forth into the park. And like one day, you know, we, we, you know, we would go to an area that's like very, very like, you know, pine, spruce, like evergreen forest, Mm -hmm. literally as far as the eyes can see, which to me, that was sort of like, (laughs) for somebody who says like, there's no way Bigfoot could live here. It's like, right. Okay. You know, the next day, we, you know, it's got like geysers. It's, it's underneath it is like a literal super volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, active super volcano. Active super volcano. Yeah. I mean, the last time it was like a hundred or like a hundred million years ago or. Yeah. But something. I mean, only just, I think maybe three or four years ago, they were talking about like, yeah. there were a ton of articles that came out about the dangers of the super volcano and, and what mm-hmm. would happen potentially and how many people would die globally potentially mm-hmm. if this thing erupts. Oh, yeah. 
Well, the thing that was that's interesting is it's because of when it erupted the first time, like that's why you have all these just massive mountains. I mean, there's literally what they call like the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone where, I mean, it feels like you're in like the canyons. It feels like you're in Arizona or like, you know, it's very sort of arid. And then there's like regular mountains like the, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's, it's su- such an amazing, especially for a national park. It's so amazing because it's, it captures like every single possible like ecosystem. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's like black water, like swamp, like marshlands. Hey, hey man, I'm going to be the, look, can I talk about the biology stuff or what? We- <laughs> well, I, no, no, I'm just I know saying. you're saying though. It's like an incredible place for like such a large variety of biomes. I mean, like yeah, so many exactly. different types of creatures, and yeah, you have it all in one park. Yeah, from like just the sort of seemingly normal to the really kind of like extreme microorganisms and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's just incredible, dude. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, like I said, man, just the fact that it's just untapped there's so mm-hmm. much the, the the vastness is what's crazy to me a lot of these national parks man it's just like anytime i think about it in terms of what the possibilities are for any kind of uh, wildlife that is hard to see you know i mean mm-hmm. you said it yourself you know wolves mm-hmm. people go there they spend their money they save it up they go all that way just to see a wolf because you know well at most chance they're not going to see it because it's like that's the thing it's like it's so rare that if you if you do get the chance to see it it's it's just like that's what i was saying is like most people you know save up and you know spend so much money to get out there just in hopes of seeing a wolf but most never will you know yeah man you know what i like to think about think about like go back in time dude when you know this is still a country that is being explored i mean I don't know if you know much about the history about how it was found in the first place, but I kind of stumbled across that when we were talking about doing this episode. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dude, it's fascinating, man. This guy, and as you guys know, if you're longtime listeners, you'll know this. I'm just very fascinated by early explorers. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Lewis and Clark. Um, Roosevelt. He, Roosevelt. But like Lewis and Clark, you know, in that expedition – learning Mm -hmm. about that but also just like in the comic book series manifest destiny yeah thinking about it in terms of all the things that they encountered whether or not they were like extreme like they were depicted in the uh or paranormal even Mm -hmm. like they're depicted in manifest destiny the uh the comic book it must have seemed that way when they encountered things like this so like this guy named john coulter was a member of Lewis and Clark's expedition. He's, of course, best known for his solo expedition in the yeah. winter of 1808. You heard that right, folks. This crazy son of a gun yeah, decided that he was just going to explore on his own in the winter. Was this the fur trapper guy? You know, I think he may have been a fur... He was just... The, I mean, if, there, I, know if he was I was going to put a label on him, he's just the bad A. I mean, he's like yeah, a tracker... A. I mean, he goes out into the wilderness, into this unknown territory all by himself mm-hmm. in the wintertime, survives, and finds Yellowstone. When he comes back to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, like a year later, man, he's out there for like a year. He comes back and he's like telling people about what he found, all the crazy natural phenomena. 
And they're like, yeah, right, man. That doesn't sound, you know, they, they all laughed it off. When I say mm-hmm. they all, I don't mean Lewis and Clark. I just mean like, you know, other folks at the bar, basically, that he was telling. And, yeah. you know, other people that he knew. The normies. Normies. <laughs> so, to me, looking at a place like this, it kind of seems like there has to be some really rad and really strange stuff that happens there. Mm-hmm. But before we do that... After these messages, we'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show.
Yellowstone National Park. An underground super volcano is drawing visitors, hoping for a different kind of eruption. A geyser that, you, that is usually dormant has shot off over and over again. Yellowstone is as beautiful as it is unpredictable. More than 3,000 square miles of hot springs, mud volcanoes, and of course, geysers. Old Faithful may be the park's most famous, but Steamboat is now grabbing the spotlight as the world's largest active geyser. Steamboat has erupted 10 times in three months. Prior to that, it erupted just 10 times in 27 years. All right, you biology and geology nerds, buckle up because this part's for you. Yellowstone National Park contains over 10,000 thermal features, which is about three quarters of the total in all of the world. So in other words, this is quite literally a hot spot. Okay, not even Tyler laughed at that dad joke, so (laughs) right? I was waiting on, well... The hammer to drop, and it didn't, so there you go. It was all right. Okay, anyway, I guess one of the most famous ones, but Tyler already kind of mentioned it, is the, um, well, I don't know, did you mention Steamboat Geyser? No, I I just mentioned Old Faithful Faithful. and the uh, Grand Prismatic, which literally sounds, I cannot, sorry to interrupt, but every time I say it, it reminds me of uh, like Prismatic Spray, a spell from D&D. Oh, yeah. Oh, weird. I wonder if that's where they got it from. I'm sure. So, like, that's one thing about this natural area is that it's pretty dang unpredictable. Now, year after year, just thousands and thousands of tourists like Tyler kind of come to this area to experience its beauty. Mm -hmm. But it is unpredictable as heck. And just as an example, like, Steamboat Geyser is the world's tallest active geyser. Mm -hmm. The actual eruptions can happen... Anywhere from like four days apart to 50 years apart Mm. with literal, like no rhyme or reason. It's been pretty active, I guess, as of late around, I think, 2018. Like I said, a lot more activity Mm -hmm. prior to this. I think the last eruption was like in 2014. But Mm. between 2018 and 2021, the guys erupted 143 times. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, did you guys kind of get close to that kind of stuff or no? Um, well, if I'm being honest, like there's so many, there's so many geysers, you know, and, um, I'm not being mean when I say this, but, um, he's going to say, I don't like, (laughs) I'm not going to say that. Okay. But, but to see the geysers, there's like that, you know, they've, I mean, it's really amazing how they've done it, but like, you know, they build these like little, little like boardwalk Mm, platform stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so you you kind of like walk around. I mean, like the Grand Prismatic, and you know, there's another one that's, that's something about like fairies or like dragons den. I mean, there's like straight up D and D terminology all over this place, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, even more so. What what did I send you the the picture on our freaking map where we're you know we're just driving along? I happen to just glance up. Number one, it's right around twelve fifty one, which is my time. I happened to look down at the the map, and we're passing, wouldn't you know it, Harlequin Lake. Mm-hmm. Man. But anyway, to go back, the to see these geysers, and again, they're beautiful. 
But like if you have small kids, like the smell, the sulfur is, I mean, they're they're going to hate it. They, it was just constant like complaining. And I mean, we, you know, we, we stopped and got out at like, you know, five, six, seven, eight of them. And they're all amazing. They're all beautiful. But the smell for the kids was too much. And then for us, it sucks because like there are so many, how do I say this? There's so many uh, like foreign tourists and uh, this is not putting down any any of our foreign listeners or tourists or whatever, but it's just like there's, there's a different, I guess, a little bit of a different like uh, pace uh, between Americans and for you know the like tours like they'll they'll just you know be going along and then like the whole group will just completely stop so you can't like they don't leave a lot of space for other people to, to you know to get around or and you're uh, just meanwhile you're just sniffing in the good old yeah right yeah and, your, and your kids are just lungs. complaining the whole time and like or, or for example we went to this one place that was uh, in the Grand Teton National Park, and it's this like little ferry trail, and you get up, and it's it's called like Inspiration Point, I think, and it's this stunning waterfall, and like you know you you follow this trail, and it ends, and there's these rocks along the front of it, you know, that are have been placed there so nobody will you know fall off, and that's where you take your pictures of your of your spot. Well, it's like we finally make it up, and then there's this. Again, no disrespect here. This massive group of tourists and all their kids are just like laying all over like the rocks, playing like every single one of them has like iPads or like Nintendo Switches. And so everybody there trying to get a photo after they've hiked this two and a half mile hike up to see this, you know, gorgeous, majestic waterfall, you can't take a photo without having like, 50 kids like just splayed out on their devices so just yeah, a little bit of a bit po- missing the point you know get off my lawn yeah for sure so so like some of the other cool sort of hydrothermal type stuff is like you know obviously hot springs geysers mud pots mm-hmm. travertine terraces and stuff mm-hmm. i think they're called fumaroles which are like steam like think of steam vents essentially yeah. Now, yeah. as you guys were kind of going through there, did you see a bunch of those? I mean, even though you didn't walk the platforms and kind of dodge oh, yeah. all the photographers and stuff, you could still see them. Yeah, I mean, and and again with like the smell, which to me, like, I mean, yeah, it's it doesn't smell great, but it's not. It wasn't as bad as it seemed to be for my kids. Who, I mean, it was like they could smell it when when we were still like you know half a mile, a mile away from even the actual location. So, yeah, and, and I mean, you can see, still see a lot of it from the road. You don't have to necessarily get out. Uh, one thing that I did learn that was really cool is that I guess like the buffalo uh, specifically, I think the, I, I'm sure the elk and and other animals do, do as well, but like the buffalo, I guess, you know, during like these incredibly harsh winters, I mean, again, we were there in, you know, in July. Summer. Yeah, the, the hottest and it still got down in the, in the 30s at night. So I cannot even, I can't even imagine how insanely cold it gets there. But, you know, for us, we can't get anywhere near them. You know, you're not supposed to. A lot of people have had some pretty tragic deaths and stuff associated. Because you just, you look at it and you, I guess you just sort of think like, oh, it's just sort of like hot water. And 
but it's mm. I mean it's it's enough to like melt all your skin off kind of deal. Yeah, man. Um, but the the bison, I guess, in the winter use it to like hang around these areas, like to kind of stay warm and to mm. to make it through the winter, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I guess enough heat radiates off of it. Oh yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. That's that's very cool. I mean. Again, man, this is like a biologist's delight because, it is. you know, I mentioned extreme uh, microorganisms and stuff. I mean, one of the most, one of, one of the most famous, I would say, in, in biology are, are what's called thermophiles. Mm-hmm. And these microorganisms that can like live and withstand these insane temperatures oh, yeah. in these springs and these geysers and all that kind of stuff. There's viruses and stuff that can live in there. It's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And like you said, these are temperatures that are enough to melt somebody's face right off Indiana oh, Jones yeah. uh, I was about Raiders of the Lost Ark took style. it from me <laughs> man alive. I was literally just thinking that yeah now one thing that I ran across to was something that you had mentioned a long time ago to me and I was like what is he talking about and that's lake music or lake sound yeah that was like a really fascinating thing that we learned so what what he's talking about is this sort of term they use, I guess, sort of colloquially, is Lake Yellowstone. They call it the singing lake, and it's like lake sounds or lake music or lake songs. It's this phenomenon which there's a couple other lakes. I think there's one in Switzerland and, and other other places that kind of do the same thing. The difference is, and this is to go ahead and head off the skeptics at the pass, a lot of these other ones, this this sound or this phenomenon will occur in the winter, you know, when the lakes are frozen and iced over. You know, it's like the cracking of the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, way deep, deep, deep underneath. It's like the reverberation and it creates these weird sounds. I think I sent you a clip that there's a lake in, it actually may be Michigan, where th- the sounds that it makes when the lake freezes over sounds exactly like blasters from Star Wars. It's like, oh, what? It's amazing. I- I'll find it. I'll send it to you. I thought I did, but maybe I didn't. So anyway, so Lake Yellowstone, there was this still really rarely discussed phenomenon that a lot of the visitors will experience still to this very day. And it's these sort of, celestial kind of you know sounds and even the quote unquote experts say that they're it's completely unexplained it says they resembled the ringing of telegraph wires or the humming of a swarm of bees beginning softly in the distance growing rapidly planar until directly overhead 20 feet into the air and then fading as rapidly in the opposite direction wrote Hiram M. Chittenden in 1895 in his book The Yellowstone National Park uh, Chittenden's, Chittenden, man, that's a tough word. Chittenden's yeah. description Chittenden. is one of is one of several in a historic record, as well as many more from popular anecdotal accounts of strange sounds or quote unquote lake music coming from the skies around Yellowstone Lake and Shoshone Lake. Chittenden was an accomplished engineer with rigorous scientific discipline who built roads and bridges in the park, as well as locks in Seattle's Lake Washington Ship Canal. He was not given to idle speculation or unsubstantiated gossip about seemingly magical events, but he is hardly the only or even the first prominent Yellowstone National Park visitor to write about the strange and unexplained lake sounds. Edwin Linton, a professor of biology at Washington and Jefferson College and a specialist in marine parasites, 
was working in Yellowstone in the summer of 1890 as part of a project for the U.S. Fish Commission. Linton, his colleagues, and his guides heard the mysterious sounds more than once during the trip, and he drew from his own diary entries when he wrote an account of the odd experience for the November 3rd, 1893 edition of the prestigious Journal of Science. This is really cool. On the following morning, we heard the sound very plainly, Linton wrote. It appeared to begin directly overhead and to pass off across the sky, growing fainter and fainter towards the southwest. It appeared to be a rather indefinite, reverberating sound characterized by a slight metallic resonance. Linton and others have described the sounds as harp-like, or angels singing even, or similar to human voices and the sound of metal cables crashing against each other, but no satisfactory explanation has yet been offered for their origin. Man. You have to have a real interest in Yellowstone history to even be familiar with it, said Whitsley, a historian at Yellowstone National Park and longtime resident of the region, who has also written several books and articles about Yellowstone history. Uh, there are a number of pieces written about it, but it's often deeply buried in the literature, he said. Despite how far-fetched the phenomenon sounds, he's confident the sounds have existed and the historical accounts about them are credible. It has been reported by too many people for it to be any kind of Bigfoot thing or something like that, he said. It's almost like he knew we were going to be talking yeah. about him. Respected scientists and prominent park figures have reported hearing these sounds and accounts have appeared in books, journals, and newspapers, although the last new written report may have been as far back as the, as the 1930s. So yeah, it's this... You know, I could go on and on and on, all these other people. This was written about in the very first year that the park officially, you know, became a park. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, like, amazing kind of thing. You know, like I said, unfortunately, we did go to Lake Yellowstone. I was so excited because I was hoping I could hear, but it with my kids yelling, you know, wanting ice cream and all that nonsense. Yeah. I was unable to hear it, but it's it's apparently this thing that's still unexplained, which kind of goes along with our episode on what we love ball lightning and swamp yeah. gas. And so these things are really cool where even your your quote unquote like scientists or experts, you know, they still just kind of shrug their shoulders and they can't you know, figure it out. They can't figure yeah. it out. I read about this guy named F.H. Bradley, who was a member of the 1872 Hayden expedition. And he mm -hmm. kind of wrote about these noises. It says, uh, while getting breakfast, we heard every few moments a curious sound between a whistle and a horse whine, whose locality and character we could not at first determine. And there have been people, like, even as recently as 2018, 2019, who reported, like, this lady named Christine um, Brunsman. She was lucky enough to hear the lake sing for the last three winters. The sound Whoa. was rather dull and often reminded me of corrugated metal flapping in the wind yeah. or maybe a far-off mechanical sound like the engine of an airplane. In December hmm. of 2020, she said, I heard songs I'd never heard before, more ethereal, uh, with womps and whoops and woos, akin to hmm. sonar, sonar pings or the call of a whale deep in the ocean. It gave me goosebumps. Man. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I like the idea that it's it's always heard like so if you're standing on the shore, these people are basically saying that they're hearing it like ten to twenty feet above their heads, mm. which is really bizarre because if it, my first thought whenever I first heard about it was, 
well, maybe it's some sort of like geo geothermal thing going on, you know, some sort of like weird phenomena that that typically you would never hear because, you know, obviously most places aren't, you know, on top of a super volcano. So I was thinking it was something with that, but it's weird because almost all of these, these witnesses uh, who have heard this are talking about how it's like, they're hearing it like above their heads. Like it's, like there's like an inv- something invisible happening above their heads. Yeah. Like I found this quote from, it looks like Chittenden. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> about the source of the sound. He says, I like to imagine there's a mystical creature that lives in the depths of Yellowstone Lake calling out a lonely song. Man. Very cool, man. And so you know, it's cool. interesting. Before I knew about what that was, I tried to find like some other stuff associated with water, large bodies of water and sounds and stuff. And everything that I uh, found was more kind of characteristic of like booming sounds. And like Mm -hmm. you said earlier with the cracking of the ice and stuff like that, but nothing like this, man. Yeah. It's really interesting. This is, this is kind of like, it kind of breaks away from Yellowstone for a minute. But in my research, uh, I ran across another place called Little Burnt Pond. It's, I guess this pretty small little pond in Otis, Maine, for all of our listeners that are from Maine where supposedly on late summer nights you can hear the sound of angels singing, and here we go again, 20 to 100 feet above the lake. So, yeah, so I guess this this phenomenon is, you know, it's got to be something. I mean, there's got to be some sort of, I mean, does it tie into, you know, underwater UFOs? Underwater UFOs, perhaps some sort of, you know, lake monster. Mm, I do like that. That's really cool. Or maybe it's just Bigfoot across the lake singing... You know, having a rock concert. I mean, it did say like like yips and whoops and stuff. Mm-hmm, so weird. I mean, like I, I always imagine just being out there, primitive camping remotely, and just hearing that kind of stuff. Boy, mm-hmm. that would be uh, that'd be scary. So, yeah. like I said, there's all kinds of different stuff. I mean, I don't know if you heard about this. Like, did you run into or get close to Death Gulch? No, actually, we had a person tell us that we had to. We needed to head that way, but we kind of got rained out a little bit on that afternoon. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so we didn't get a Kind of sounds like that person might have wanted you guys to be hurt because <laughs> yeah, apparently like there's some noxious fumes that come out of there. In 1888, a guy oh. named Walter H. Weed was a member of the U.S. Geological Survey Expedition of Yellowstone, and he found six dead bears, an elk carcass, and numerous smaller animals died in Death Gulch. Mm. And after he kind of inspected these carcasses, he wasn't really able to find any like external wounds or like, mm-hmm. you know, anything that would indicate it was killed by another creature or anything like that. It really looked like, and he wrote, these animals had been asphyxiated by the gas that was given off at the Gulch. Mm-hmm. A journalist visited Death Gulch while writing a story for Popular Science Monthly and found eight bear carcasses. Again, no violent death. Mm. He kind of theorized that it had to be the, you know, the gas that was coming off of there. There haven't really been many, like, sort of modern-day reports of animals dying from the gas, but the fumes in that area are known to be particularly pungent and strong. And so... Kind of sounds like that person wasn't really, you know, being nice uh, uh, to you. <laughs> but I mean, it's really pretty, but you're going to die. Yeah. But as we do on this show, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the 
biology and stuff like that. But I want to know more about like the weird stuff that mm-hmm. happens there. Yeah. Here, I'll set you up. So basically what I've, <laughs> what I've been wondering about, and you kind of mentioned it early on in the episode, what about Bigfoot accounts, man? There has to be, like in my mind, I'm thinking there's got to be a ton of Bigfoot or there's got to be a ton of like UFO accounts. Yeah. But, um, well, so... There, I there said, are come out of the gate, deliver the bad news. The bad news first. The, okay, the bad news is... We will return after these messages. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures... From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Like I said, I asked everybody that I came in contact with that worked at the place, and they all just kind of laughed, like, no, never, ever heard of any kind of Bigfoot sightings or, or anything like that. And to be honest, like, even... In the research, I mean, yeah, there are some, it's really difficult to find anything related to Bigfoot, which is really bizarre because you, if you think about it, like, I mean, again, this this park is, you know, over the course of like three states and it's, it is just so, like, I can't say it enough. It is so vast, especially in the areas that are just like, you know, evergreen forest I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And I mean, you know, your your park rangers and stuff, they they have like little hidden trails that only they're able to go on and, and that kind of thing. But for the most part, like unless you're just hiking completely off the the path, you know, kind of if you're just sort of going out mm-hmm. for the most part, like you're kind of sticking to the flow of where everybody else is going to be. So like to me, it's just it was it's really odd that nobody, you know, that, that nobody like found kind of anything. One thing that I do think that is interesting is from this article on NPS.gov where it's talking about this, uh, it, it's called the unexplained and unreported phenomenon in Yellowstone. And it talks about these, this is back in October of 1980, where it talks about all these letters from all over the world to these park rangers asking them questions about Yellowstone, you know, where can I camp? How many bears are in the park? Uh, When will Old Faithful go off? You know, that kind of thing. And apparently, you know, it goes through the article talking about, you know, it references lake music and all that. But then it says at the very end, it says 33 years after the letters inquiring about Sasquatch sightings, the archives cannot claim to have official proof of Bigfoot sightings, nor does it hold documents that explain the lake music, which we've already talked about. The lake Mm -hmm. music is a pretty well-known thing but so what they're trying to say is like in the official documents there's nothing that's talking about lake music so you know what does that say about bigfoot Mm -hmm. the yellowstone archives does hold the letters to and replies from the chief rangers to curious people around the world with questions ranging ranging from the mundane to the unusual all waiting waiting to be discovered so i think that kind of says a little bit about I don't know, just this idea maybe that they're just sort of keeping a closed case on on some of the Bigfoot stuff coming out. Now, there was yeah. 
I mean, one thing that you kind of alluded to already is that like, you know, another piece of the bad news for for listeners, as far as like, I tried to find Bigfoot stuff, UFO sightings, mm-hmm. man. It's hard. It's almost like there's this vacuum yeah. of events. And to mm-hmm. me, that immediately makes me a little suspicious. Right. You know 100%. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. It is interesting, man. Well, and it it also, to me, my mind goes to uh, David Politis, Missing 411. He's a guy who was a, a, you know, for years he had been like a well-known like detective and and all that stuff. And and he kind of got into these disappearances in your national parks. And that's one thing that's kind of crazy is like Yellowstone in this area is the most disappearances anywhere in the world every single year after year after year it's around yellowstone park and i mean i kind of get it because like i said it, it is so vast but mm-hmm. you know once he kind of tried to dig into oh well uh, there's got to be information somewhere there's got to be like a backlog of like all of these these accounts of missing people and they really pushed back and said oh no there's there's nothing like that and then when he pushed even further you know, then they said, well, we can give you records for a single year, but that'll be, you know, $60,000. Like all this sort of crazy stuff. If you're interested, look up David Politis, Missing 411 on YouTube, and you can hear a ton of his interviews. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to do probably several episodes about it because it's it's Yeah, truly and you know what's funny? Like I want to do, like here's the thing. I've talked about this on the show before too. I don't really like to dig too deep into that stuff because then I get a little nervy yeah. about taking our kids out on camping trips yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But I got to say, man. part of the reason why I do want to do an episode about that is to force myself to learn more about that because my initial reaction whenever I hear that is, yes, that's kind of strange, but there are a lot of dumb idiots that oh, don't 100%. Uh, respect the outdoors enough to, and, and end up going out there unprepared or they make a dumb decision. You know, yeah. like a couple years ago, I went out to Seattle and I was thinking about going out on a hike. And then I'm like, you know, like I am out here on my own. I don't need to be doing that, you know, because if something happens to me out there or let's say I get out pretty far and then I'm out there and it starts to get dark, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here for a business trip. I didn't really bring the proper stuff, you know? So I'm just saying like, to me, it is something that like, there's a lot of dummies, man. Oh yeah. Is the nice way for me to put it. And a lot of those dummies sometimes get out there and do it. What's super interesting though, because I have sort of like scratched the surface on some of this stuff is when it is the highly experienced outdoorsmen Mm -hmm. who vanish, you know? Now I got to tell you something. So I learned in in Boy Scouts that I apply to a lot of this kind of stuff is there's never, you should never put yourself in a situation when you're going out on your own in any of these Mm -hmm. places. You got to use the buddy system. You know what I mean? Well, the weird, yes. The weird thing though is like what we're also talking about. And yes, I will add to the dummies because we saw several people getting so close to these like bison I mean, we saw this group that were literally probably 15 feet from this bison, and it could have killed every one of them, you know. I think they ended up getting a ticket, actually, from a park ranger, which is actually pretty cool. But 
Yes, there's a lot of dummies. But what we're talking about is are these experienced hunters, these experienced hikers and, and people that know what they're doing. They've done this hundreds of times and we're talking disappearing without a trace at all. No signs of predation, no no body, no clothes, usually no uh, – it's like they just blip out of existence, you know. Yeah, man, it's, it's scary. But yeah, uh, there Bigfoot. is – yes, Bigfoot. There is this – video which is interesting but that came out i guess in 2015 uh you sent it to me and it's uh you can find it on nationalgeographic.com but it's this uh, trail cam not trail cam but like a you know from the park like one of their their cameras facing in the direction of like one of the geysers or something and you see four bison sort of meandering close and and again i saw this video before we went out there and i was sort of like I don't know, man. Could that be like like a hiker? Could that be like... And then you see, which we've got to include the video because it is amazing. And after I've been, I'm even like more blown away by this video because you see what looks like four large, upright humanoid people, like whatever, walking way in the background, like walking behind the trees. And then what appears to be, it looks like, uh, three of them kind of stay back and then you see this one like walking out and then like the camera like switches view, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But I would have said like, that's gotta be like a hiker or something. Listen, I'm telling you, once you go there, you realize really fast that like, yes, there are these trails that kind of can put you way out, you know, way off the beaten path. But you, for somebody to like, Number one, it's not going to be somebody who's an experienced hiker getting that close to bison. Right. Number two, I, I think like, and again, I don't know all of the the info like behind the video per se, but like this was like way out in the middle of nowhere at a time when, you know, it, it wasn't like a like a heavily sort of traffic place. And right. you see these four quote unquote people or beings like way off in the back and they are kind of lumbering a little like, like Patty, you know, the Patty mm. video, mm-hmm. the Patterson Gimlin film. And then it's interest. It's so interesting that the three like stop. And then the one like keeps kind of coming out, like he's hunting the Buffalo. I just got to just, just the way that the park is like set up, knowing that you're going to have these people that are that far out that are like walking around where like your bison are. That's just not that is not a normal thing at all. Yeah. I mean, what do you what did you think of the video? Yeah, I mean, same. Uh, you know, I, I don't. You have to be really brave or really dumb. Yeah, I think to throw on some kind of Bigfoot costume, we'll say, mm-hmm. and head out there and mess around with a bunch of bison. Yeah, you know, I mean, you hear yeah. about. I mean, God, dude, the week that you guys were there, some mm-hmm. idiot got like speared by a bison who because he, he got too close it. to it. He deserved yeah, it. Yeah, man. I mean He's a lot of these animals like they're they're beautiful. You know, you hear about yeah. people like, oh, we got too close you know, dad got his hand bit off by a grizzly because he was trying to feed it. It's like Yeah. Well the cr- the crazier stuff is the these accounts of, you know, people really getting messed up from these geysers. Did you hear the story about like so I guess there was a story I remember hearing about it while we were out there where this guy's dog got away. Um, oh, man. Which I guess they don't like 
people to bring their dogs, which I didn't really understand at first. But like once you get around the geysers and the, you know, the, all the geothermal stuff, it's like, man, I would not. Well, not only let that, my dogs. not only that, man. Think about it in terms of like all those other wildlife are smelling that dog now. Oh and, yeah, dude. And they're like, what is that? You know, it's just mm-hmm. like anything that you're encouraging the wildlife to come and like right. interact with you in any way is just not. Yeah. It's not smart. Yeah, but apparently this dog like got off the leash and it jumped into one of the holes, like one of the paint pots, I guess they call them that. And it basically melted all the skin off. A guy like, of course, goes running after his dog, tries to save it, does the same thing. I don't know what was, I'm sure, I mean, he just did he, sad, What do you mean but, does the same thing? He jumps in after it? Yeah, I, th- or, oh, I, I don't man. know if he jumps totally in or if he like, like, like reached down and got like his upper body and arms into it. But I think he ended up, you know, getting crazy burns, his, all the skin like burnt off and he ended up dying as well. So it's like, there's a, there, there's some really weird accounts of that kind of thing happening. And I mean, again, it is like, here's where I think a lot of like the tourist, I mean, I keep saying tourists, like, I'm like, like you weren't one of them, but yeah. I'm saying it in the sense of I, it, it kind of feels like to me that like, and especially for like the the tourists who are coming from other countries and they're, when, the, when they show up, it's like, oh, we're in this like national park and like, there's like, you know, fences separating us from stuff. And there's like little, uh, little boardwalk walkways built around the, it, it I think there's like a, a sense of safety that that they sort of assume when in reality. Yeah, it's like a false sense of security, basically. Yeah, it's a, exactly. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and I think they just get too close or, or think like, oh, well, that's just like, that's not lava. It's just like hot water. Uh, yeah. And so, you know. It's kind of like just their sort of ignorance about it mm-hmm. and just like not respecting the, the, the power of biology, bro. Yeah, but it is it is so beautiful though, man. And, and it really looks like just like in a way, Michigan, man. All these untapped wilderness areas that uh, a lot of creatures could be in, including our our friend Biggie, yep. mm-hmm. Biggie Smalls. <laughs> I uh, do have to uh, disappointingly report that I did not see Bigfoot. I was. What about anything crazy in the sky besides lightning from the distance? I mean, that lightning was, I still don't think it was lightning. It was so bizarre. Like, to me, I can't get over that. You know, there is one weird thing that my wife, so I've said it several times. Her and Woody's wife, Ann, they're both, like, pretty skeptical, almost to the point of, like, debunker skeptical. She did see something. I wasn't able to see it. I was driving. And this was on the way up to Yellowstone from like uh, like Jackson, Wyoming. We were like pulling out. We had like pulled off the road to see uh, it was like elk or something. And again, like sadly, after a while, and I think it's just human nature, but eventually you kind of get used to it, you know. So so probably the, the folks out there that that live out there and our listeners, you know, our, our Montana and Wyoming listeners, are just like, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, but like you do kind of get numb to it a little bit. Like, oh, it's just another, you know, giant buffalo that's been, right. been around since, like, you know, the prehistoric age. You you do kind of get used to it. So we had pulled off and we were looking at, at something. And then I was pulling back out into the road and she was like, hey, stop for a second. And I'd already pulled out and she was like, there it is again. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? And I, I was driving, so I, I couldn't really see. So pulled back around, turned around, came to the same spot and just like sat there for a minute. She was seeing like some sort of thing like up in the ridge. And it was sort of set up like, you know, just miles and miles of like mountains of just evergreen, like spruce forest, you know, beautiful. Mm-hmm. But what you think of when you think of like Alaska or something like that. And it was just that. And then there was like a ridge. She eventually just was like, there's got to be a road up there. I don't think there was a road at all up there. Uh, But that's how she sort of wrapped her mind around it. She said that she kept seeing this like flashing light. And it was in the daytime too. So I was like, was it like a reflection of something? She was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like this, this weird, like bright flashing white light that I think she saw it like three or four times. Mm. And it was like I moving around it. kind of, or it was just like flashing out in the distance? Uh, I mean, it would have been like up on this kind of like mountain. Um, I think maybe it was sort of moving around like the ridge, mm. but again, I didn't see it. So she yeah. did. Uh, I mean, it could have been, if I was going to be this skeptic, I would say maybe it was somebody with like a signaling mirror, you know? I kept saying that. I said the same thing. She said, no, it doesn't really look like that. It looks like, it looks like, Somebody has like a really high powered flashlight, but it was in the daytime, so that that doesn't necessarily make sense. I don't know yeah. uh, that, and then the weird lightning thing. I think that was about it, as far yeah, as it's pretty amazing to me, man. Like we kind of talked about that, there haven't really been that many UFOs. I know and Bigfoot. You know, I mean, now I did read about one. Yes, this is actually pretty cool. This is an encounter which was documented by the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, uh, BFRO, if you're into that sort of thing, which occurred in the spring of 1978 between Cody and the east entrance of Yellowstone National Park. It involved the eyewitness testimony of not just one, but two trained geologists who were on their way to Yellowstone. They were driving on Highway 14, approaching a corner where the strangeness began. Here's some of the testimony. As we came around a curve in the road, our high beams illuminated a large, dark, shaggy figure coming up out of the ditch on the left side, south of the road, at a distance of about 200 to 250 feet. As we approached the figure, at a speed of about 45 miles an hour, it looked first at the vehicle. We noticed the yellow reflection from its eyes that is seen in a dog's eyes when the light catches it at night. So, light shine. Then, deliberately turned its head away from the lights. The motion was non-human or bear-like in that the shoulders, chest, and head moved simultaneously as it caught sight of our vehicle and then turned its face away from the headlights. It slammed on the brakes to figure out exactly what they had come across. Slowly, they looked into the canyon to see where the creature had disappeared into. Afterward, they proceeded to the east gate of Yellowstone to try to find a ranger, but the hour was late and they were unable to. As the story goes, this is... This is probably my favorite part because this is exactly what you should do. As the story goes, they all agreed not to talk about what they had just seen until they could individually write down their accounts separately and compare notes to ensure they weren't influencing each other. Their independent reports painted an almost identical picture. There were three common themes. Number one, the creature was about seven to eight foot tall. Number two, the weight estimated to be around 600 to 800 pounds. And number three, it was not a bear. The geologist noted 
that it was a cold, clear night with great visibility. The sighting happened at approximately 1.45 a.m. in the morning. None of them were under the influence of alcohol or medication. It's also worth mentioning that the report says neither of them believes in ghosts or UFOs. As for Bigfoot, it's likely this 1978 spring encounter just east of Yellowstone has changed their mind. I think Jeez, that's, that's really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like they, didn't, they might not have a ton of Bigfoot sightings, but mm-hmm. they kind of saved the best for last. They made a good one. Yeah. And this was this was two geologists, right? Right. Yep. Or a group of geologists, I guess, on an expedition. Yes. Yeah. Wow. One thing I do have to say, and I, I've, I've heard this theory before. I, I don't know how well known it is, but uh, I, I want to say our buddies over at the Belief Hole podcast may have brought it up. And it's fascinating, really. And it kind of goes along, I think, with your the Manifest Destiny comic that you, you talked about up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this idea that these national parks were created back in the day because of, you know, these sort of anomalous, maybe paranormal, like, sightings of, like, UFOs mm-hmm. or or Bigfoot or, you know, whatever it is. It's this idea that in these areas were, like, particularly like created into these like quote unquote national parks so that number one, they would have like the budget and the Mm -hmm. resources to constantly like monitor these events. Monitor, study. I mean, think about it. If you think about it in that, in those terms, dude, you're going to get the funding you need without almost any argument. Yep. 100%. Because it's all, it's all in the name of, of conservation and we're, you know, we're we're doing it to like preserve these places, but it's like, are you preserving like the areas or are you preserving this otherwise like, you know, crazy like place where all these things are like happening? And not only that, but I think the main reason that would be uh, sort of reasoning behind this idea is that you control the narrative. So when somebody says, hey, are there Bigfoots around here? It's it's a completely closed door. Oh, mm. we've never seen anything like that. Yeah, we don't no, know. It, well, no, there's, Bigfoot. there's no official records of anything. So that there's not, mm-hmm. you know, nothing's got to be around. It's and kind it's of a fascinating enough sort thing. of like other natural phenomena that it brings in. You've got that constant revenue coming in, dude. Right, right. Plus yep. federal funding. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty cool theory, man. I think what we've just uncovered is that Roosevelt was a huge fan Mm -hmm. of these kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah, so I have kind of, you know, come up pretty empty uh, as far as Bigfoot goes. Did you find anything as far as like UFOs or or anything like that? I mean, like we've kind of talked about, man, I feel like there's this vacuum of information except for like a few things that I was able to find. One of them Mm. uh, happened, well, I guess... Not too long ago. Heck, dude, it may have, hold on, this is kind of weird, actually. It may have occurred pretty close to when, like, all the pandemics have happened, so maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, okay, so this was, I think, January of 2019. Four UFO sightings at Yellowstone's super volcano Mm. kind of sparked some claims of what they called alien tourists. Now, these are probably a little different than the ones that clogged up your, uh, you know, boardwalk trying to take yeah. pictures and right. playing on their Nintendos. But mm-hmm. so there's a video that was uploaded by a YouTube channel called Gaguerre 1952. 
that shows four separate UFO sightings over the course of a month that are hovering over, well, one of the world's most powerful volcanoes that we've kind of talked about already right there in Yellowstone. Hmm. And you see these like bright lights hovering above the clouds and moving around too quickly to seem kind of like a, you know, plane or or like a drone or something. But plus, man, getting those kind of aircraft close to such a high temperature kind of mm-hmm. thing probably wouldn't be a, uh, yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Now, in this article that I found, it does say that Yellowstone has been a long, has been a hot spot for alien enthusiasts with sightings regularly reported there. But like I said, you don't really see a lot of that mm-hmm. information. Is it being yeah. scrubbed? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I, I looked a lot and I don't know, something, it just seems pretty weird. But here's one of the reports. Here we have several glowing orbs moving about over Yellowstone, and this is in the same area as Old Faithful, which could, of course, attract alien tourists as well as humans. Hmm. Why wouldn't aliens be interested in Earth's natural wonders? The movement is proof it's not Venus or a hot air balloon. If you knew the truth about the abundance of alien ships, craft, and species around us every day, it would blow your mind. It's interesting, man. This is also all happening. The time that we're recording this, this is all happening while at the same time, I just read this book that I promise you we're going to do an episode about called The Meadow Project, which is kind of like, well, I think it's subtitles, even like the South's Skinwalker Ranch. Yep, that's right. And Skinwalker Ranch, for all of those that are fans of the rad and the strange, you will know is a place in Utah that had that has this incredible history. Now, I'm going to go ahead, legendary, and I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody that I don't know much about it. However, I am currently reading uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker, Mm -hmm. the book by Kalme Kelleher and George Knapp, Mm -hmm. where they kind of have documented the history and all the crazy stuff that happened. Mm -hmm. I just so happened to read a chapter this morning entitled The Window where he Mm -hmm. describes the guy that they call, it's not, I I think they protected this guy's name, but uh, Tom Gorman, his family owned the ranch before anybody else did. Now don't go, don't go any further than that because I'm literally discovering this stuff brand new and it's fascinating. That's so awesome. I don't want to spoil anything. I've never seen a TV show about it. I've never listened to a podcast about it. I know nothing about this. What? I'm coming, yes, dude. I've purposely held off because I've wanted to just... I take the time to dive in and learn about this stuff. I, okay. I, I think I'm mainly surprised that, a, that it, it hasn't become its own national park. Yeah, I know, dude. As I'm reading, as I'm reading about this, man, it's incredible. And that's, again, part of the reason why it's so mysterious to me that, like, even though this article says, oh, this is a hotspot for UFOs, Yellowstone, tons of sightings, you can't find a single one. Yeah. Not even in, like, um, well, anyway. So I'm reading this chapter. It's called The Window. And... Tom Gorman, the guy that owned it, he and his family lived there. I mean, in moments after they purchased this thing, stuff starts going wild, folks. I oh, mean, yeah. It's literally the true definition of high strangeness. He describes this thing where in the distance, okay, one night, well, several nights in a row, he notices it almost like, a, like an orange orb-ish in the sky, mm-hmm. okay? And he takes out like a hunting scope. And he peers into this thing. Okay, remember, this is at nighttime. 
he peers into it. He's got a really clear sort of picture of it within his hunting scope, which is a long-distance scope that you would use on a hunting rifle. Mm-hmm. And as he's looking into it, it's almost like in the center of it, it looks like it's daytime somewhere else. Hmm. Almost as if he is peering into like a, a door or a window into mm-hmm. another, another dimension, another place. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, it details further in the chapter that like basically from the side, because one time he saw it like kind of from the side, it just looks like maybe like a small orange glow on a cloud. The only place that he can actually see it dead on and peer through it is from like his house, dude, facing his house. So it's like this window, this portal, this area faces this property direct. Anywhere around it other than that, you can't see through it or you can't see it. You wouldn't notice it if you were driving. Right, by, for example. right, yeah. So anyways, we're talking about this and then we're talking about like, you know, Yellowstone, this specific UFO encounter or these things being shown. Why wouldn't aliens or what we would kind of consider alien or UFOs or whatever, why wouldn't they be interested in like our natural wonders or whatever? Or humanity in general, dude, it makes a ton of sense. And you Mm -hmm. recently sent me a video of these, and I'm sure people have seen this, almost a similar thing happened in Mexico around a volcano. Oh, dude, that's such a good video. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's this, this video that shows all these orbs. I 100% believe this video. I don't think it's it's CGI or anything. Just just the how natural it all. But I mean, there's and and they look exactly like the orbs that I would have seen in my room. But they're just flying all around this volcano, and it's it's pretty amazing, man. Yeah, it's interesting to me that it happens. Kind of, I feel like I've read multiple accounts of stuff like this happening near an active volcano. Mm-hmm. I do remember that there's it's like 60s or 70s. Kind of, I, I think you sort of alluded to it earlier, but it, it's so hard to find a lot of the stuff that I feel like used to be so common. You know, you just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to Google uh, UFO, you know, above volcano, Mexico or whatever. It's so hard to, to, to do that anymore, I feel like. But mm-hmm. there used to be this, it was like a series of like photos that this guy took. It was like an active volcano. I think it erupted somewhere you know, South America or, but you could see, it wasn't just like light anomaly or orbs. It was like, you could see like the metallic, you know, what appeared to be like a metallic UFO. And it was just like flying all around this volcano, which Mm -hmm. I mean, anything earth-based, the last place you're going to want to fly around is like close to the mouth of 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 an active volcano, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe some of these things, craft, whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's how they harness their energy, man. Maybe they were uh, harvesting. Mm. You never know. Yeah. Which, I mean, then that can tie into like the inner earth, which Mm -hmm. if you believe in that, I mean, what better place than Yellowstone where there's these, you know, quote unquote, like openings all over the place. Mm, Man. It's pretty amazing. Well, look, obviously there's got to be more Bigfoot encounters. There's got to be more UFO encounters. But even if we're just looking at it on the surface as a place to visit, just to see like the stuff that you can see. I mean, this is a place, folks, we're talking about flesh eating plants. Mm, Again, mm -hmm. another one of my favorite things whenever I was in biology, this this place, it's like, it's amazing to me that you went there first because it's like, I've wanted to go there even before I was interested, super interested, I'll say, in mm-hmm. cryptozoology or anything like that. 
like carnivorous plants. I did a whole like senior project on these things, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, amazing like plant life there. Tons, like over 13 species of bats live in Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see a lot of them like flying around and stuff? Or Yeah, at like certain times. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see like any of the uh, like the like bigger sort of cave openings. That's like another thing that apparently there's like a ton mm. of these huge caves. But I I don't think you can really see a lot of that stuff unless you, you do Start like your, in the brush. Yeah, your like longer hikes or your like what they call like your backcountry hikes. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen like photos and stuff where like there's just like, you know, millions of bats flying out of these these caves. One thing I will say, and it's my new favorite bird of all time in Jackson, Wyoming, there's this bird that would like come and just like hang out on our porch and it would just like sing to us. It's like a magpie, but I mean, oh, I've yeah. heard of a magpie before, but yeah. this one was like bright blue and black and like pretty huge, but they're just like the coolest birds. So mm. Shout out to the magpie. I love it, man. Uh, another thing that I ran into was this virus that lives in geysers and mm-hmm. is thought to be this like cause for this weird aggressive behavior in, in small wildlife and stuff Ooh. in 2019. Yeah. So they called it the geyser virus. And what? Yeah. A lot of folks, like a lot of visitors and backpackers and backcountry skiers and stuff would encounter these like really kind of weird behaviors that everything from otters to beavers would exhibit like just strangely aggressive so this one lady said that she was snowshoeing out there with her dog and Mm -hmm. it was just north of yellowstone in the uh i think it's the gallatin or gallatin yeah i didn't Uh, know how to pronounce it i I was saying like gallatin but i don't know well she was uh out there snowshoeing with her dog just north of Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and reported that a martin. These martins are adorable. Yeah, they're the cutest things ever. So it attacked this thing that you saw, the martin, mm-hmm. attacked and killed her 125-pound Great Pyrenees. Now, mm-hmm. you would know better than I right now in terms of the size, right? A martin mm-hmm. is around four pounds, yeah, maybe around two feet long. It looks a like a member of the weasel family. Yeah. Yeah. Killed a 125-pound Great Pyrenees? So apparently, like, there was a smartphone video taken by this woman that corroborated the account. And and it prompted, of course, this investigation to, you know, what was going on. Did, did, Did the Martin have rabies or something else? They ruled out rabies. And also declined to release the video of the incident because it was an, quote, ongoing public health investigation. Hmm. That's weird. Yep. Some other reports about a pika or a pika, different stuff, man. Ground squirrels that, like, fought off mm-hmm. two grave wolves, a yellow There's bear. There's like, no... Dude. Now, we saw ground squirrels at this, like, wolf and bear, like, conservatory thing. And they're, like... I mean, they're tiny. There is no way that it fought off wolves. I'm just saying, man. That's what these uh, aggressive behaviors reported, man. What? Yellow-bellied marmot at a cabin west of Cody, Wyoming, that broke into a bear-proof steel food storage box and ate an entire box of Lucky Charm cereal. Now, was this before or after oh. it was legal to, to, to smoke weed there? Because there I think is. I knew it. this yellow-bellied marmot has been mm-hmm. taking some of that purple stinky punch, and he's like, dude, He's got to get, I got to get some lucky chums. (laughs) Got to get those chums. (laughs) 
Oh, man. So, I mean, this really did happen in 2019, man. Um, they did like almost like a, a little mini quarantine of mm. small animals within Yellowstone and even kind of shut down parts of it. You know, they, oh, had, they had a situation where a beaver leaped 30 feet through the air to bite a draft horse. What? Yeah, dude, crazy stuff. None of this stuff makes any sense. A uh, This microbiologist with the CDC said that there appeared to be this like weird, complex, and interconnected life cycle at play with this geyser virus and that these animals' aggressive, almost like zombie-like behavior appears to be a largely a result of infection that raises the... Bo- now, tell me about... Now, hopefully, you folks that are fans of zombie movies will immediately say, oh, that sounds like this movie. Listen to this. The almost zombie-like behavior appears to be largely a result of an infection that raises the body temperature on their small bodies Uh to an incredible extent, many degrees above their normal comfort zone, and potentially causes this aggressive behavior. Do you remember? I mean, that's zombie. Straight up zombie. Yeah, what's the movie? Uh, 28 Uh, Days Later. 28 Days Later. Yeah. Didn't World War Z have World War Z seemed kind of like that. And even, um, what's the one, Um, Will Smith? Oh, I'm Legend. I Am Legend. Yeah. That kind of thing. This really happened in Yellowstone. Now. Dude, that's crazy. Dude, I'm going to cap this off with another just kind of like, it's just a weird fact. It's not supernatural. I'm also sending you a picture of the cutest animal ever, the Martin. (laughs) Yes, dude. So that little guy took down a wolf. And I'm going to tell you right now. We talked a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons just a minute ago. If I ever have a, yeah. uh, what was it called? A familiar. A familiar mm-hmm. in, in one of my characters. Mm-hmm. That little guy is going to be adorable. It. He is it's so amazing. cute. Oh, and snowball. they go from brown in the summer to. They call him Snowball. <laughs> they, turn, uh, they turn white like that in the winter. I call him Snowball, and he likes to eat Lucky Charms. Okay. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Wrapping this up. Mm-hmm. There is something that has come to be known, Yellowstone's Zone of Death. Mm. Now, it's not nearly as kind of supernatural as it sounds, but it is pretty weird. So basically, short version of it is that there is a little bit of a loophole in the law. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly where this is because it's weird and I don't want somebody listening to this and then like... But there's this section, a strip within Yellowstone that essentially... Anyone within that strip, if they commit a crime inside of that area, would be immune to the law. Hmm. Basically, it has to do with this purported loophole in the Constitution, which is which basically there's just like a weird, unique land jurisdiction there. Mm-hmm. And because Yellowstone National Park was formed before Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming joining the Union, the park itself would ultimately fall within the jurisdiction of Wyoming unique in that it gives the state jurisdiction over land that technically lies in another state. Mm. And so a crime committed there can't be tried by state law. Oh, I see. Now, as far-fetched as that might sound, back in 2015, this dude killed an elk illegally Mm -hmm. and then used that as his defense. They call it the zone of death, too, because it exists and it's real and it's a place that somebody could hurt you and not get in trouble, so kind of scary. I mean, boy, that that almost sounds, uh, it kind of goes along with the theory of these parks being like sort of operated and conducted by your higher-ups. And I mean, you know, 
I think mainly to kind of just button it all up. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that is going to be a strong theme during the summer at Camp Rad Strangeness is, man, get outside. Go yeah. explore wherever you are. If you're in the U.S., if you are in other countries, explore your cities, you know, your counties, whatever. There's tons of stuff to see, experience safely outside. Obviously, have respect for the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Definitely leave no trace in terms of, you know, garbage and all that thing. Leave it like you found it. Yeah, man. Even better than you found it is what, I, what yeah. my old scoutmaster used to say. Yeah. And, you know, do it with a buddy. Don't go out by yourself. But definitely get out there and experience the rad strangeness that exists. Because if there's anything that we found out, it's mm-hmm. that I would say it certainly seems like nature is stranger than fiction. Mm. That's totally true. Also, nature is always more dangerous than fiction. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I hope we didn't ramble too much on this episode. I, for mm. one, was just so excited to talk about it. And I, I feel like... Even after this full episode, I feel like I didn't even touch the, you know, scratch the surface. I feel like I just, I, like I wasn't able to sort of convey the feelings of like how just, just how like majestic and stunning this trip and this place is. Uh, but it's really fast, fascinating and it's really beautiful. And especially if you live in the U.S., get out there, go see it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're not a sponsor, but under Canvas. I was about to it, say, yeah. They, uh, they're not a sponsor, but from what I've seen, from what you showed me and your experience and your wife describing it, yeah. not only do I think they should be a sponsor, which I'd be happy to promote, mm-hmm. it sounds like they, uh, they have it together. They kind of mix a little bit of the primitive stuff that I like in camping. Oh, yeah. But then the comfort that my wife is going to be, I think I can yeah. sell her. I think, yeah, you know, I mean, it's and they definitely have a location like, in the Great Smoky Mountains. It's not too far from here. I oh, think that's I can right. I sell her on like a fall trip. We go up there. We experience it, and then we can do it more in other areas of yeah. the country. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, they they even have like their like their lobby tent, you know, quote unquote. It's like this huge sort of tent where you walk in in the morning, you get to you know they rub shoulders their, with big oil, and <laughs> they got all their like coffee and like chess and checkers and like uh, Man, that's awesome. Outside, there's like cornhole and there's like live music. Uh, mm. I, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. It's so yeah. cool. Anyway, come find us over on uh, Instagram. If you're a new listener, welcome. We'd love to have you. For any of our listeners or new listeners that uh, that live near Yellowstone or uh, in Wyoming or Idaho in that area, especially, especially if you've seen this weird anomalous lightning thing that yeah. I'm talking about. I can't find anything on it. So please, I'm begging you people, please write me. Anyway, send us your urban legends. Send us your local uh, weird stories of, you know, cryptids or folklore that your old mammy told you, whatever. If you want to do that, it's more long form or send us a voice memo of that kind of thing. Send it to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Also, last but not least, get out there and tell a friend about the show. Uh, Just one friend. If every single listener told one friend, immediately we doubled our listeners. So do that so we can get more listeners in on the party, and we appreciate it. So I guess that's about it. What, do you got anything else? I think that's it, man. Cool. We love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it goes.
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine. You were already dead before you became a ghost. You always said our future would be a parade of flowers, but now all that's left is a single rose. That's the way. First, we got to the Atlanta airport. It was about 9 o'clock. Well, the only reason I was going to say that I visited the kiosk where I also got headphones, candy, (laughs) just a few sticks of gum, and ice-cold Sprite. Then I sat down. Dude, (laughs) I got to get out there, man. But you know what else? We got to go camping, man. I know. Well, I'm going to reach out to Addy, and I think we need to do a loft night. And like really, because I'm telling you, dude, like I kind of don't know why I didn't at the time. I mean, this was before. I don't even think I had an iPhone. You still have a VCR up there? Uh, I think so. Man, we could watch like old movies. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And then just set up the camera while we sleep the whole night. I mean, my only thing that I have that I'm a little like, it was so like spread out when I originally saw it, you know, Mm -hmm. that like it sort of ramped up once... I started started sort of like showing interest. So I wonder I wonder how like how we would sort of replicate that in real time like on a much faster like scale. You know what I mean? Like well, I, I don't, don't know how start that start talking to me about doing ceremonies. No, 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 I'm not doing all that. I'm just saying like like maybe it is like we just we're like constantly talking about it whenever we get up there. Oh boy. You know what I mean? Man. Yeah. Like maybe I there is like like a tulpa type uh, oh component of the whole thing. I can't lie, man. That that part scares me. <laughs> oh man, I got it, dude. Huh? In person D and D. There. Oh Luke, god, that would be amazing. Brad, me, you, Alice, and we dude. just like try to record some weird shit and also play D and D. Dude, I love it. God, that yes. would be amazing. 